What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All of the Above Podcast Extra. We like to drop these in between our full episodes. Our full episodes, of course, have guests and tons of headlines and shout outs. And it's primarily a video show that we put up on the YouTubes and it takes a while to edit those down. So in between those full episodes, we like to drop these passing periods. Just Jeff and I um, reflecting on stories of the week or stories that perhaps didn't make it into our full episode. And Jeff, it has been a week. It This, this has been a week. Uh, very, very tough and very, very painful and very, very troubling week. Um, we absolutely want to shout out our, our Asian American brothers and sisters. Jeff, talk to us, man. What What's going on, man? Yeah, man. It uh, To say it has been a week is uh, certainly an understatement. Um, yeah. It is, it's one of those moments, man, where um, I hope that uh, the takeaway from people is um, is like greater clarity about the extent to which white supremacy and and the hateful violent expressions of white supremacy that are that are the hallmark of America um, are uh, are here with us today they are not relics of you know the 1800s or you know or or, or earlier periods of history back when we were crooked and backwards but you know but now we're like post-racial Obama you know I, I hope people get the the seriousness the gravity of the extent to which this is with us today and and unfortunately we are living through an era of escalation of it and um, and that manifested in the the absolutely disgusting loss of life uh, in Georgia and Manuel I want to take a quick second here and um, and just acknowledge the eight individuals who we who we lost uh, this week, yep. and I'm gonna apologize up front if I mispronounce any names, but I'm I'm doing my best here. Um, so uh, this is a um, just a, an expression of love and respect to the to the friends and family um, of these eight individuals and to all of our um, you know especially our Asian American brothers and sisters and and Asian American women who um, you know were the the unfortunate primary targets of this of this attack um so young ua hyun grant suncha kim soon park delana ashley yon zhao ji tan dao yu feng and paul andre michaels were the eight individuals uh, killed this week in the atlanta metro area and uh, you know, may may they rest in peace, and may we as a country uh, have this be the last uh, of this type of thing that that we see. And may we absolutely dispose of all people in power who want to say things like "this killer had a bad day" or obfuscate the fact that this is the same white supremacist violence that has plagued us since the beginning. So, yeah, it's been a tough week, Manuel, but, um, you know, I think, I think uh, we, we will make it through. And, you know, I, I know there's a lot of people feeling a lot of things this week, and I hope that, um, you know, I hope people have the support and structure they need to, um, to be okay. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And 
you know, there's a common thread here. And shout out to Katie Wynn on on Twitter, who who kind of like laid out a, a timeline of the 2012 mass shooting at a Sikh temple, 2015 shooting at the AME church, 2016 shooting at Pulse nightclub, 2018 shooting at a Jewish synagogue in, in Pennsylvania, and 2019 mass shooting in El Paso target, targeting our Latinx brothers and sisters and, and now this, and it's just like this, this common thread here of violent white supremacist attacks and the reality that we know, Jeff, that we're going to see other headlines at some point, you know, this, this unfortunately is unlikely to be the last, the last uh, violent white supremacist attack. Um, I think every time we see a headline like this, it's painful and it's shocking and it hurts us and it reminds us of previous, previous headlines that, that were similar. And, and, and to me, that's, for me, one of the really, really difficult or more difficult parts of this for myself personally is just knowing that like, we all kind of know something along these lines is going to happen at some point again. Like we, we are aware of it. However, we as a nation are nowhere near a place to have this real honest conversation. I think various communities already and been ready because they have been targets of white supremacist violence for ages. And yet there's still all of this, like trying to explain away events like this. Like he was, he was just having a really bad day at the end. This was a really bad day and just immediately humanize, humanize the, the terrorists. And it, it makes it difficult to proceed and move forward. And then us as educators, knowing that education is, a uh, incredibly transformative, powerful tool for addressing, addressing these things. Us as, as educators, knowing that like there are many folks out there who don't want us to talk about any of this type of stuff in the classroom because it's political or divisive or, or whatever. And that, you know, that brings us to the conversation that, that we want to have today around ethnic studies generally and, and ethnic studies curriculum in California specifically and the political attacks that we saw um, take place around that curriculum and just like the the implications for other states and other regions who know that they need to have critical, honest conversations about this nation's past and present and future, yet so many folks out there think to even bring up the matter of white supremacy itself is divisive and doesn't belong in school. So it's like, what are educators to do in those cases? So Jeff, I thought maybe today would be a good day to talk about the ethnic studies model curriculum as a possible tool, a possible resource for folks who are looking to interrogate white supremacy in the classroom so that our learners can go on to hopefully, hopefully help expunge it from our from our society sometime sometime down the line. So so let's start with that, Jeff. So there was a big vote this week in California. Uh, ethics studies model curriculum was up for board approval by the State Board of Education. And in the end, after four years, four different drafts of this curriculum, over 100,000 public comments, largely um, on various sides of the debate about what is ethnic studies and what belongs in the classroom and what doesn't. After all that, it finally came down to a vote and it it passed. And I believe this is the first model curriculum of its kind to be adopted by an entire state um, in the nation. So that, in a sense, is a big win, but it doesn't totally feel like a full win because 
of all that happened in the process. And Jeff, I don't know if you, I don't know if you know this, but uh, I was part of this process. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, man. So, so yes, that was a nice summary and overview. And what our what our audience may not realize, because you have been um, very disciplined uh, in your, um, you know, stewardship uh, of 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 the role you've had on the Instructional Quality Commission that oversaw the development of uh, the Ethnic Studies Model Curriculum, and that became the unfortunate target of. Uh, of the insane white supremacist violent outrage, um, although you know you were not violently attacked, but the the verbal components um, that that precede the violent attacks, um, you know, for <laughs> you know the great irony of this is as you and your colleagues are developing an ethnic studies curriculum to to specifically critique and challenge and get us to a better place as a people around issues of, of race and power and privilege and oppression, the same people who weaponize that, <laughs> that race, power, privilege, and oppression are off killing people in spas in Atlanta. Uh, but then want to say that you're the one, uh, you know, uh, weaponizing education. Yeah. So um, if that ain't ironic. But, uh, but folks, Manuel was not only involved in this, but he was the chair of the Instructional Quality Commission, if I got if I got that title right. Was it, it was Chair Manuel, or was it some yeah. other? Well, yes. yeah, I was Chair of the, well, for, for folks who aren't familiar, especially if you're not in California, um, the Instructional Quality Commission is essentially an advisory commission. We advise the State Board of Education on matters pertaining to standards and frameworks. And um, one of the committees on that commission is the History Social Science Committee, which I was Chair of um, during this Ethnic Studies Model Curriculum. Um, final phase. Now I happen to be chair of the whole commission, but the ethics studies part is has concluded. So, so yeah, yeah. So you all haven't heard about this because Manuel has been dutifully keeping his mouth closed, despite my many <laughs> questions uh, <laughs> about what's going on with this insanity. Uh, the hundreds of thousands of uh, you know um, some thoughtful, but other just like right wing white supremacist nonsense. Um, commentary on, um, and some of it like very, um, you know, they like to dress themselves up. I'm reminded it's very like David Duke, right? It's like the Klan in a suit kind of a situation. So you have these like, you know, ed educators for justice who actually believe that critical race theory has yes. no place in, <laughs> in ethnic studies or whatever, right? So, you know, they're, um, they're on that tip. Um, but but yeah, Manuel, uh, now it's time to like spill the beans, I think, um, <laughs> and, and share with us um, your perspective and, and learnings and wisdom from having gone through this, this process and helping to get California to the finish line of, of, as you said, I think being the first state in the nation with a model ethnic studies curriculum adopted at the state level. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, spill the beans. There's a few things I could, I could share, and there's definitely other things that'll have to wait as I continue to process what all happened. But uh, I think in terms of the criticism of the curriculum, there's a lot of incredibly valid criticism around whether or not the curriculum is, is critical enough, whether or not it, it genuinely reflects the spirit of ethnic studies. And then there's the criticism that is referencing what, what you mentioned, the, the right-wing extremist nonsense, some of it dressed in a very 
very nice, nice package that we had whole organizations created with very justice oriented names that were certainly not justice oriented and were certainly not from the ethnic studies community, but um, dressed themselves as such to try to um, rid the curriculum of critical race theory and, and um, a few other elements. And then you have just the outright just nonsense uh, comments that come from the um, Fox News, MAGA media uh, type of circle. And specifically, I'd like to talk about the critical race theory aspect of it, because this is something that I think Jeff connects to something we've discussed on the show several times, which is the danger of um, President Trump and the 1776 commission in terms of catalyzing folks across the nation to like try to complain about their local schools curriculum, try to look at what teachers are doing and report it and, and what have you. So just for example, uh, this curriculum took several years to develop or, uh, across four years and shout out to the original uh, model curriculum advisory committee, which was a, a, a coalition of ethnic studies practitioners from the mostly higher ed space who, um, you know, unfortunately because of how politicized this curriculum got, a lot of them withdrew their support towards the end. And uh, shout out to them for, for engaging in the, the creation of this curriculum from the beginning. And I'm definitely looking forward to continue to work from some of those folks who are looking to take what had been approved and add to it and create a version for, for teachers and, and schools across the country that perhaps is truer to the original lens on ethnic studies. But one thing that was, so so this, take, this took about four years in total, and that included about seven or eight rounds of public comment. So after a draft gets gets put together and discussed at our commission, then it goes out to public for public comments. We have written comments, we have in-person comments back before the uh, pandemic started. And across those rounds of public comment, Jeff, critical race theory, which existed in the original draft, so it's been part of it the whole time. First round of public comments, zero mention of critical race theory. Second round of public comments, zero mention of critical race theory. And mind you, each of these rounds solicited thousands and thousands and thousands of public comments. Uh, third round, zero, zero mention of critical race theory. Fourth round, fifth round, zero mention. It wasn't until the fall, sixth round of public comments, we had 18 comments specifically about critical race theory. And then, boom, right as the 1776 report hit the interwebs for a day or two, however long it was up there, um, <laughs> we received over 3,000 submitted written public comments specifically about critical race theory and how this thing is infected with it and critical race theory is divisive. Uh, somebody referred to it as neo-racism uh, that <laughs> demonizes whites and that teaches people to hate, uh, to hate whites. And it just kind of ballooned out of nowhere. So my, my concern personally was that at the very end, this critical race theory piece had become so, so, so controversial. Uh, they talked about it on Fox News, on, on I believe, the Ingram angle. Oh, I was yeah, really Laura, worried Laura, that they were Laura gonna... Ingram had a lot to say about you she, and your, your people, man. <laughs> she did. So I was really worried that, like, that might actually get taken out of this curriculum in order for it to pass. Yeah, and just so folks know, critical race theory, I mean, that's a framework, and it's a framework for examining and interrogating race and racism in American society. Like, you know, obviously Jim Crow's over, obviously the civil rights movement happened. Um, so, you know, 
racism on paper should be done, but we still have these racial disparities in, in healthcare and in housing and in education all over the place. So critical race theory is just a, a lens or a framework for understanding that. And importantly, the president of our state board, Linda Darling-Hammond, OG, she included or she made the decision to add a definition of critical race theory to the ethnic studies model curriculum. And the definition that she added comes from um, Janelle George. And basically it reads that critical race theory is a practice of interrogating race and racism in society. Critical race theory recognizes that race is not biologically real, but is socially constructed and socially significant. It acknowledges that racism is embedded within systems and institutions that replicate racial inequality. So like that, I think for anybody that's listening, anybody that's a fan of the show, this is like obvious, like we know these things and that's why we do this important critical work in education to help out our most marginalized populations because we know the legacy of racism is still with us. So the idea that this is like, that this doesn't belong in ethnic studies is just crazy. It's just crazy. And there really was a moment this week, and I wish I could share all the details. I, I can't or I shouldn't. Um, but there really was a moment this week where it looked like critical race theory would be stripped from this curriculum. And that just would have been such a loss. That, that would have been such a loss. So I understand a lot of folks are upset about how this curriculum turned out. I wish I could tell the full story from my perspective about how this went down. Because believe me, I fought hard to keep this curriculum as intact and as critical as possible. And I know folks aren't going to necessarily see that from there, from where they're at. And I know a lot of folks are upset with how, quote unquote, watered down this, this curriculum might be from their vantage point. But as far as a K-12 resource, man, I'm, I think it's dope. I think it's really dope. And I am just so relieved that California stood up and kept critical race theory intact. And I think that's a, a example from, for other states to follow, honestly. So, so yeah, I got really dicey at the end as these attacks came up. And I think this is where, Jeff, I think this is where we as educators need to really reconcile and really like figure out what the future holds for curricular decisions. Because the army that came after critical race theory in the ethnic studies model curriculum here in California is not just going to disappear. They're going state by state, uh, targeting any lessons, any trainings, anything that has the, the phrase or the term critical race theory, even though they don't know what it is. And um, Jeff, what do we, what's the future of education if the attacks on actual critical curriculum um, are so well organized and so loud now? Mm. Uh, I'm, I, that's an excellent question. And I'm still stuck on that. They, they said y'all are up to neo-racism, Yes, <laughs> which I have not heard before that I'm just so fascinated. So is that, is that the, the new, that's the new term for reverse racism? Is that what it is? So neo-racism is now the victims of racism being racist against the racist. Is that, is that the argument Jeff, here? You know what? Actually, so that is. Perhaps, but I do want to point out one other one other um, comment that was new to me. So the neo-racism neo part, that was new to me. The other thing that okay. was new to me is we had one person, and this is all public. You could watch the recording online. Uh, one person call in and cite some interracial marriage statistics, mm. pointing out that interracial marriages have gone up over the last several decades, which means we have had more biracial kids be born 
who know the richness and greatness of multiple races, and at a t- and because of that, racism is fading away. Yet critical race theory is now going to teach those kids who are not racist because they are mixed race. It's going to teach them to hate their white side and hate whites and take us many steps back. So Jeff, I didn't really realize that interracial marriage was solving our racism problem here. So I learned that in these comments. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I, I thought it was over. I thought, like I said, man, I thought we were hashtag post-racial, man. We had a black folks, president. Folks voted for Obama twice and stuff up in here, man. Like, yes. it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's all good now, right? Um, yeah, you know, so the two-year two year question from a minute ago, right? Like, what, what does this mean now for, for educators and kind of uh, the future of of this important vital movement towards expansion of ethnic studies and towards um, a, a need to, even outside of the discipline of ethnic studies, ensure cultural and historical relevance and, and responsibility you know, in the general curriculum as well. Um, you know, and I, I guess I'm sort of of a mixed mind because on the one hand, I, I feel like the worse it gets, on a certain level, the, the more um, clarity that we have about the need for things like ethnic studies, right? So not that I wish bad stuff to happen by any means, but one byproduct of that is, you know, when we see what happened to, to Sandra Bland, when we, when we see or, you know, or at least hear about what happened um, to Breonna Taylor, what happened to George Floyd, Tamir Rice, and you know, and the eight folks in Georgia just this week, um, you know, the the people in in El Paso, like when when these things happen, it's just such a, a profound, jarring, traumatizing reminder of the work that we have never seriously done as a as a country. And the work that um, the work in opposition to justice that is actively being done um, by many of our of our white brothers and sisters in particular, um, although they certainly have some allies amongst uh, people of color, um, unfortunately. But um, it's a reminder that that we are, you know, we exist in a country that has actively, you know, existed in some some form of of denial about our problematic racial past for centuries and um, has violently opposed efforts to make right, right, um, those wrongs. And so, you know, we, we all get this on a very basic human level, right? You have two kindergartners and one kindergartner, you know, like hits the other kid and takes their toy. And, you know, and then the other kid cries and screams and wants to fight them. And, you know, and it's not going to get better by by just telling them ignore it right yeah. like they're not they're not going to get over it by you as the adult saying ignore it they need to have a process of reconciliation okay apologize give back the toy what let's talk about what you did that was unfair would you like it if this person took your toy no you wouldn't okay so you understand how you hurt them and you're not going to do it again right um and and in fact what you're going to do is now play nicely with them Right. And uh, and so it's, it's a very elementary concept of human relations. Right. And, and of repairing harm 
that needs to be done. And obviously it's bigger and more complex on a societal level, but um, but fundamentally it's not that different than, than what the kindergarten situation I just described in terms of the dynamic at play. And so we have had, unfortunately, uh, a, a mythology around white supremacy that, that, you know, that has been perpetuated for centuries and, um, you know, millions and millions of people who have uh, been subject to that in a way that uh, that has also, well, a, a way in which our schools and our curriculum have unfortunately been very complicit in. And, um, and there's people pushing back. There have always been people pushing back, but there's a renewed effort around pushing back. That's not going to stop because these Laura Ingrams of the world want to make fun of it on their platform. Um, and it's not going to stop because these crazy white men with guns um, want to shoot people down. Like, it's going to continue. And I think the question is, as educators, where are we going to stand in the fight? And what courage are we going to show um, among policymakers and among practitioners on the front line? And I think we're going to need to stand tough in the face of political scrutiny at both of those levels. We're going to need folks like the California Board of Education to sit there and take 300,000 comments from racists and tell them we're doing this anyways. And we're going to need teachers on the ground who by and large still make independent decisions about what content gets taught in their classrooms to uphold the teaching of ethnic studies and the teaching of a culturally and historically responsive education and creating affirming spaces for students of color and creating spaces where white students can, um, and this is honestly, Manuel, like in as much as I love ethnic studies from, for the experience that these kind of classes had for me, mm -hmm. I also am like the real work <laughs> that I wanna see done is with the white kids across California who are now gonna have to take, you know, or at least hopefully are gonna have to take ethnic studies. And we're going to need educators to uphold the teaching of ethnic studies in a responsible manner. And we're going to have to do some generational work on unpacking what this stuff means. So that's that's where I'm seeing it, Manuel. I'm hopeful. I'm also, you know, <laughs> doubtful. But um, but I think this is a beautiful step forward in a, you know, in a, in a larger fight um, towards justice. Yeah, yeah. Amen to that. And there are a lot of grifters out there, a lot of folks who are positioning themselves, wanting to be the next Tucker Carl Carlson or the next Rush Limbaugh and have massive platforms. And they are um, some of the ones who are organizing all these folks to call into these meetings and to report schools and to, I don't know if you remember, Jeff, but at the end, at the beginning of this school year, I think on a passing period, maybe it was on a full episode, we uh, mentioned a teacher who's not far from where I live at, who works at a school not far from where I live at, who wore a I Can't Breathe shirt um, on her Zoom, and another teacher in Texas who had a Black Lives Matter sign, you know, posted in her virtual classroom, and, like, them folks had to end up, like, leaving their homes because of, of threats that were, you know, called in, and, and that was all because of these right-wing right, right -wing folks uh, blasting their names and information out there and, and, and getting their, their audiences up in arms about it. So there's going to be a lot more of that, and a lot of these folks are just grifters. They know critical race theory isn't what they say it is. They know it's not teaching kids to hate white people just because they're white and all this stuff, but they also know that the truth doesn't really matter to a lot of folks that really just um, 
just being angry, just being angry is enough. And we saw all these years of, of Trumpism stir people up just with anger and no no real truth or no real facts behind it. It's just like that. those things don't even matter anymore. But I do want to point out and really acknowledge that a lot of the public comments that we did receive were not from that angle. And, and this is where, for myself, having a seat at the table is not what it's all cracked up to be because here, you know, I was, you know, I'm just, I'm a classroom teacher and I don't mean just a teacher, like that's all, you know, whatever, I'm just a teacher, but I mean, you know, that's my main full time is I'm a classroom teacher who wants to see the best for students. And I thought that being part of this commission would help me advocate for my students, you know, from a, from a, a in a different space and in, in the ed policy space, which it has. And it was very difficult hearing and seeing the process unfold with this set of curriculum, because there's definitely a lot of real scholars that I have a ton of respect for who who are really upset with the end result of this curriculum because so much of it was changed um, in response to initial uh, backlash from from certain groups and um, you know and myself I had to weigh the balance just like the board did of like yes it might be quote unquote watered down for from various folks perspectives but then compared to what we currently have, which is nothing in in regards to um, state adopted K-12 ethnic studies curriculum. And with, you know, in comparison to what a lot of teachers in different schools across California are working with, which is nothing, you know, for those teachers who who are just using their textbooks, um, you know, this curriculum is, is such a giant, giant, giant step. And it was really difficult for me to hear a lot of the comment from folks who say this is a, you know, multicultural propaganda, that it's it's colonial, it's just defanging what ethnic studies is supposed to be. And I definitely, definitely hear uh, those criticisms. But then I think about the OGs who opened up our meeting on, on Thursday. We heard from Dolores Huerta, we heard from Karen Korematsu, daughter of Fred Korematsu and, and um, director of the, the Korematsu Institute. We heard from MK Asante, we heard from, from um, a whole lot of folks who are just like giants in in the push for racial justice. And they pointed out just how important this step is. So I'm very happy that we got this step through. I'm very happy that we did not, when I say we, I'm not on the state board, so it wasn't really up to me, the final vote, but I'm very happy that state board did not cater to um, that last push from, from the Fox News right. And I think this is a giant step, and I'm very happy to see that we have some lesson plans uh, descending upon uh, teachers across California, at least lesson plans that are there as a resource to help those students and guide those, those uh, help those teachers and guide those teachers in, in building a classroom that really honors holistic humanization and, and critical consciousness for sure. So yeah, man, it's been tough, but that part is done, and... We'll, we'll see what the future holds for this debate about anti-racism and critical race theory and this neo-racism that these schools are pushing on on uh, kids, I guess, Jeff. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's that. Yeah, man. Well, you know, on behalf of uh, educators and citizens of the state of California, I will say uh, thank you. Manuel, to you and to your colleagues um, who, you know, had to navigate some um, some tricky waters to uh, to, you know, to bring this to life. And, um, you know, of course, I'm sure it could be better. Um, But also this is a step 
in in the right direction and you know and also right like this the model curriculum from if i'm understanding it correctly manuel uh, is for a one semester course right well it's a open resource for schools and districts to use as they feel would be best for their community so it has outlines for course courses and also has individual lessons and it also has a, a um, culmination of all the a through g approved ethnic studies courses that are already being taught across California. So um, districts can basically pick and choose. It's a resource. It's not a full set of curriculum. It's not standards. It's like, it's a resource. So, um, so yeah, so for those looking to do a, a one semester course, those looking to embed these themes in their existing year long courses, it's, it's helping them all out. Yep. Yeah. That, so that's great. And I think, you know, of course, in a state as big and diverse as, as California, where honestly the needs around ethnic studies are a little bit different from community to community, right? In terms of yeah. like what yeah. it what it means and looks like to center the experiences of the students that you're serving, right? If, you, if you're yeah. in a primarily, you know, like South Asian community, that's going to mean something different than if you're, you know, in a primarily um, like Salvadoran and Guatemalan uh, and Honduran community, right? Um, and so... Of course, having a single conversation about this is going to involve lots of opinions, experiences, needs. They're going to be hard to find a one size fits all approach. So, um, so I am definitely grateful that we've we've gotten to this place, and I'm excited for the next place. It's going to go next, and uh, you know the Laura Ingrams of the world, like we know what they're about, and they're going to continue to do what they do. They've been doing it since the beginning. Right. Since True. 1619. And and in, in a great ironic way, Manuel, that Laura Ingram video <laughs> mm-hmm. is going to be a beautiful primary source taught in some ethnic studies class next fall on Man. in like the first week where they're like, all right, what does it mean to be in ethnic studies? Like, let's talk about what it is and what it isn't. And, and they produce great content. The 1776 Project. I mean, imagine some excerpts of that stacked up next to you know, like so, yeah. <laughs> some, you know, uh, just beautiful ethnic studies text, right? <laughs> uh, describing the same aspects of American history, right? And allowing kids to critique, um, you know, with, with a real um, critical lens, right? Um, so it's a beautiful thing. I'm grateful. Thank you for what, what you helped lead and, uh, you know, onward and upward with ethnic studies, man. Yep. Absolutely, absolutely. Also, I got my second shot of vaccine. That's other. That's that was like the cherry on top of the week. Getting ethnic studies passed and getting second shot of vaccine. So, yeah, that has nothing to do with ethnic studies. How but I how just was share. how were the symptoms post shot too? All good, all good. Yeah, okay. I had the Pfizer shot for those those listening who are looking at their second doses coming sometime soon. I had Pfizer. It didn't affect me, but one of my somebody I know also had Pfizer and it laid them out for a day. So. Yep. Yeah, everybody's different. All right, I got mine coming up uh, next week. So For sure. Yep. Cool. All right, people. That about does it for this week's uh, class dismissed, but man, I mean, not class dismissed. What is this? Passing period. But <laughs> man, let me tell y'all. Let me tell y'all. Next week's episode, we have a teacher. Uh, she teaches middle school. Her name's Kaya Brown. She teaches uh, computer science. And I just want you to know that there are a lot of people out there with really big education platforms who maybe like did pretty well in the classroom and then built a whole, whole brand and platform off of it. And, you know, motivational speakers and all that stuff. And this, this person that we spoke to for next week's episode, incredibly humble, 
incredibly humble and just so like, just like easily just tossed out like, oh yeah, you know, we're connecting with uh, students in Palestine. We got 10 girls in Palestine signed up for computer science stuff. And I was like, wait, what? Palestine? Like this person is doing the real work in the classroom and outside the classroom. And I just am so excited to um, be able to share the conversation we have with her, uh, with y'all next week in next week's episode, because um, everybody, you know, in the AOTA family, we're all doing our best for our students, especially the most marginalized. And we're all fighting the fight in our own way in the way that works best for us. And I think you will learn a lot from this uh, teacher's perspective next week about uh, the way the ways that she advocates for students and, and fights the good fight to help uh, create a, a humanizing educational experience for, for folks from, from all the, over the world in her case. So yeah, definitely you don't want to miss that. So if you haven't already subscribed, make sure you do that. Uh, we appreciate those five-star reviews as well. That goes a long way, folks. All right. But um, that's about it for this week. We will catch y'all next time. Go on ahead and get to class. <laughs>